0: Amen. Well, listen. We're gonna we're gonna get into the Word today. First of all, how phenomenal are those young people? <laughs> y'all that y'all that have been here for more than a minute, it's okay. Yes, that is Eden's voice. Little bitty twirly ballet Eden, and then she gets up there and sings, and it's like this deep like voice man and when you've held babies and then they lead you in worship it's just that's what the bible means that says if we can get it from one generation to the next then it shall not perish from one generation one generation commends to the next generation the goodness of God, right? May we always be a church that does not have to look this way for the older people to lead us, but will gladly come in and let the young people commend to us the goodness of the Lord, right? I turned 39 this week. That's right. 39, right? I'm an old woman. That's right. I've I've been a part of this church since I was 12, you remember, uh-huh, you guys have lived through all my haircuts, all my um, tattoos. Some of you were not in support of some of those, but we're still here and they're not going anywhere, and neither am I. <laughs> but man, it's just incredible to be at this point today. I'm, I'm up here for Next Generation Sunday, um, and just thinking about how I remember when I was the next generation. Like, I remember being the one coming up like my son did this morning to do the welcome. <laughs> um, and just remember how we continue to see these things move and grow. And thinking I, it is going to come soon and fast where there's somebody else here doing this on Next Gen Sunday. Her name is Sydney. I'm just, <laughs> she's like, What? Amen. But man, I tell you what, there's, there's such a joy that comes in serving the next generation. Um, they're just, they're good people. Our next generation, the group of young people and kids that we have at this church, they're good people. Like I actually like to be around them. You can't say that about every young person that you meet, but these, these kids that are here, that we get the privilege and the honor to invest in and spend our time with, they're like really good people. And so I want to say to all of you who, um, who donate to next gen camps, you know, Miss, Miss Diane and Mr. Dan, they've been sending a kid to camp um, for as long as I can remember. Since I was 12 years old, that's a long, long time. They've been sending kids to camp. You will never regret investing in the next generation. You will never regret believing in them and speaking life over them. Even if they don't hear it, speak life over this next generation. Man, they need all the life words spoken over them that they can get. That's not at all what this message is about today. Um, So let's just get into that. I do want to speak a word today that is for our next generation, but is also for all of us. And it's called, this is it. This is a resilient and gritty generation, and really every generation has to have some resilience and grit to get to the next stage, and it seems like really, I mean, there's been a lot of need for some resilience. I've gotten tired of being resilient, to be honest, and a little tired of being gritty. It'd be nice to have maybe a day where we could coast, but that, that isn't the world we live in, right? Right? Resilience is being able to spring back and recover quickly. Now, I will tell you that at 39 years old, I do not spring up as quickly as I did when I was 12, right? Like I feel like, you know, when, you, when I was young, I remember going to the beach and I would sit down on the sand and then I would just get up and go. And now if I'm sitting on the beach and I decide to get up, I've got to think about it for a few minutes, kind of muster my strength and my, my grit, right? And I've got to work hard to spring up to where I'm going. I've got to, it doesn't, I don't recover as quickly as I used to physically. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. But when it comes to um, our spirit, man, there's got to be some resilience there. And I will tell you, I think we can all speak and say that it's been a little harder to be resilient within our spirit. It's a little harder to the more things we see and the more troubles that we face to spring back to where we should be. It's a little harder. We have to kind of put a little more oomph in it to spring back when we're constantly hit by the waves, right? And if you feel like that person trying to get out of the ocean and just as soon as you get your feet planted, the next wave comes and all I can think is I probably look like I should be on fail, army. Just up and down. And I tell you what, though, our spirit man probably needs a little bit of resilience because it's taken a beating. Life can beat you down. The other thing is grit, and grit means a perseverance of effort plus a passion for a goal. A perseverance of effort because of the passion that you have for a goal. The moment you lose your passion for a goal, the perseverance of your effort is gone. And we have had so many things that have taken our attention, and this generation has so many things that take its attention. Do you realize now that kids are expected in 7th and 8th grade to start preparing for ACT testing and college counselors? My child plays soccer, and there are already people who are in eighth and ninth grade who have binders full of colleges to pursue for camps and and athletic scholarships. We are behind. He's 14. There is so much that takes your attention, so much that requires so much effort expectation that is put on this generation and us as individuals there is so much expectation and the moment we lose passion for something we lose our effort for it and here's what we have to understand there's a lot of things that are competing for our passion in life and young people let me tell you there is always something competing for your passion. But the moment that you let the things of God no longer be your passion, it is so quick to lose the effort that it takes to maintain that relationship. This world talks a lot about grit. You got to have grit. You got to have grit. I want to tell you something. If you don't have grit for God, then all of the rest of it is just nothing but sinking sand. You have to have a passion for the things of God. So that that passion can stir up your effort and drive to chase after the things of God. Because it is that drive for the things of God that will give you the resilience to bounce back up from whatever comes your way. It's the things that we have to get down deep. First Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in First Peter pretty much all today. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. It's one of the last verses of this book. It says, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. I'm going to do everything within my power today to channel um, Peter here, and I'm going to try to briefly encourage, because we've got a picnic to have outside. <laughs> I want to briefly encourage you and testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand in it. This is it. We have got to know what the grace of God is so that we can stand in it. Because when we are standing firmly in the grace of God, then our resilience and our grit is there and it carries us through. And let me tell you something. You will never regret a day that you spent serving the Lord. I regret many things from my life, but I've never regretted a day that I chased after the things of God. There are people I regret being in relationship with. There are situations that I regret being in. No age is spared regret. But I will never regret the days that I stood on the grace of God. That I was firmly planted in him. This is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. This is it. So what is it? The grace of God. I feel like one of the challenges to, the, to preaching in general really is to take something and make it make sense. It's part of being a teacher, right? You're given a concept and you have to have make it make sense to people. Now, there are some concepts I never got. Photosynthesis. I still don't get it. I mean, I know how to explain it, but I don't really get it, right? There are some things that people try to teach me. Quadratic equations did not stick. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Didn't stick. Right? There are things that we are taught and we don't always, you know, keep them with us. But this is something that we have to get. The grace of God is a concept that we have to get grab a hold of it, stand in it, be so confident in it that we can explain it and we can talk about it and we can know it. Because you cannot stand fast in something that you do not know what it is. You have to have an awareness of it. And there are too many young people in this generation who are walking away from church and walking away from the things of God. And I am confident that it comes from the fact that they never really understood what it was they were standing in. Because they were just given something that was their parents and their families, and they were shoved off in a kid's church room. And then they never had the opportunity to hear and really know what the grace of God was. So they never knew what they were standing in, and therefore they weren't going to stay in it. Because when you know something, when it becomes part of you, you don't lose it. It's there. It's with you. So listen, young people and old people. We have got to get a hold of what is this? What is the grace of God? Today I want to talk about the gospel of the good news, the grace of God. This is the very message that saved your soul one day. At some point, for the majority of us sitting in this room, at some point the grace of God snuck in and all of a sudden you got it. Do you remember that moment in a class where something made sense? Do you remember that moment where something that you were not getting all of a sudden you got? Maybe it was a joke. (laughs) Maybe it was quadratic equations. But there was that moment, right, when something made sense and it stuck. The grace of God, it needs to make sense to us so that it will stick with us. So let's look at what the grace of God is. This verse that Peter says, he says, this is the grace of God, so stand in it. So that means that he has laid out before he gets to this point what the grace of God is. So let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. This is a longer passage, but stick with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Say, living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that they may be proven the genuineness of your faith. Of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The first thing that the grace of God is, is it is a living hope for the salvation of our souls. It is a living hope. And there are some phrases in here about the kingdom of God that remind us that it is not a thing of this earth, of this world. First it says it is imperishable. It does not perish. That means that the hope that we have is forever. Nothing in this physical world is imperishable. Everything will perish. And so we must know that this living hope that we have, this grace of God, it never perishes. Then it says it cannot be defiled or it will never spoil. Do you know what that means? It means the kingdom of God is not corruptible. And I will tell you something we know. Everything in this world is corruptible. People are corruptible. Governments are corruptible. Our hearts are corruptible. But the kingdom of God, the grace of God cannot be corrupted. It is unfading. It does not fade. It never changes. Man, fads come so quick and fast, I can't even keep up with them, right? I'm telling you, these high waisted jeans that are back, I too wore them when I was 12. These kids are up here looking like me in 1994 when I did Next Gen Sunday, right? Because things are fads. They come back, they come in, they out. Fashion, music. So many things, they fade, they come back. But let me tell you something. The kingdom of God does not fade. It does not go out of fashion. It is unfading. You have been given the grace of God as a living hope for the salvation of our souls. And it is unperishable. It is un possible, it is impossible to spoil it. It is unfading, and even through grief and trials, Jesus is revealed because this is the grace of God. We have a living hope, and it will not fade. It cannot be corrupted. It will not fail, and it brings us the salvation of our souls. The next thing, First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. The second thing that the grace of God is, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that has redeemed you from an empty life. A life without God is empty. And we know that this world is full of emptiness because it spends so much time chasing things to fill it. Every generation is looking for things to fill it. It's it's always crazy to me because, you know, Whoever the old people are in the generation, whoever the parents are, they think everything their kids do is ridiculous. Like TikTok. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's fun, though. But what you see is in every generation, it's not TikTok, but you start watching the things that kids are doing and the things that people are searching for, and you realize that every generation is looking for something to fill, fill the emptiness. They're looking for approval. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for connection. They're looking for family. They're looking for something to fill the emptiness, because the emptiness of life is what is given to us in this world, but it is only God that comes in and fills the emptiness of life. It says he has redeemed us from the emptiness of life, and through what? Through the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, I used to get so tired of the same songs over and over and over again, but that song there is power in the blood. It doesn't matter if I was five years old or 39 and any. In between. That song always hits me, right? Because there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is consistent, it is always there. It has redeemed my empty life. That is the grace of God that the blood of Jesus Christ was spilled for my sake. If it had only been me, if it had only been you, He would have still done it to redeem the emptiness of your life. This is the grace of God that we must stand in. In the blood of Jesus Christ. The next one, First Peter 2, 9 and 10. This is our youth group verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The grace of God makes you chosen. It pulls you out of darkness and it gives you mercy. The grace of God has chosen you. It has taken you and made you a part of God's family. That is the grace of God, that it would choose you and not just choose you and not just choose you and stick you in the corner. It chooses you and it makes you a royal priesthood and a holy nation, God's chosen and prized possession. This is the grace of God, that you are not just picked from the pit, but you are placed at the right hand with God the Father. You are chosen. You are his. You are a royal priesthood, a part of the family, Of God. This is the grace of God. You were chosen. You were plucked from darkness and brought to the marvelous light. And you have received mercy. Number four, 1 Peter 2 24 through 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The grace of Jesus Christ is that you are healed and you are home. You are healed and you are home. Boy, so many of us take for granted a home to go to. We walk in a house every day, we shut the door, we lock it. We have a safety, a physical dwelling place to call home. And that is such a feeling, right? To know that we have a home. But you have to know that your soul needs a home even more than your physical body does. Because your physical home and your physical body are temporary things. But your soul is permanent and it needs a place to live. And thank God for the grace of God that we have been taken and we have been healed and we have been brought home. The grace of God is a home for you. The grace of God is your dwelling place. The grace of God is the healing balm on your wounds and on your brokenness. The grace of God is where you are healed and where you are home. This is it. This is what we stand in. Number five. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ... After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The grace of God, it restores you. It makes you strong and firm and steadfast. And yes, you have to suffer. We all have to suffer. The truth is what we do with our suffering is up to us. Will we give it to God and allow him to in turn make us firm and strong and restore us? That is the grace of God, that the troubles we face do not destroy us, but that through the power of the grace of God, they restore us, they make us firm, they make us steadfast. This is the grace of God. Stand in it. Number
1: six.
0: 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, The righteousness for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. To bring you to God. This is the grace of God. That Jesus came and he died and he made a way to bring you to God. The veil was torn. There is no sacrifice. There is no separation. There is only you and there is God and there is nothing to keep you from him. The grace of God has brought you to God. Stand in it. This is it, Peter says to us. This is it. The true grace of God, stand fast in it to briefly and encourage you and testify that this is it. Life is busy. The world is complicated. There is so much happening. We could debate and talk for hours about everything. And let's be honest, most of us have. But today, I want to encourage you That this is it. Because where I choose to put my feet, that is the place when I rebound, I rebound to. My grit, my passion, my effort, if I put it towards the things of God, then that is where I stand. Let me tell you something, old heads. That's what the young people call anybody over the age of 25. (laughs) We better start modeling what it means to stand in the grace of God. Because we've stood on a lot of opinions lately. We've reinforced how much we know because we've lived a lot of life. Gosh, I know so much. Really. Nothing. Let me tell you what I know. I know the grace of Jesus Christ found me one day. I know it found me, of all places, knelt behind the couch in my parents' house listening to TBN. I don't even know the preacher. But my mama found me praying and asking Jesus into my heart. Because of the grace of God, it doesn't matter the vessel at which it comes through. It doesn't matter if the person sharing the grace of God voted the same way as you, lives in the same country as you, speaks the same language as you. When you encounter someone whose feet are firmly planted on the grace of God and they show you what it means to live with a really resilient and gritty life that says, I am founded right here, I am firm and I am fast in this, the grace of God, it will change your life. Let me tell you something, old folks. Young people are tired of your opinions. They just need to see the grace of God in you. And this generation, they're, lo- they're modeling it for us. These young people up here, they are leading us into the grace of God today. This is the grace of God. He is a living hope, the salvation of our souls. He has redeemed me from the empty way of life. He has chosen me and pulled me out of darkness and given me mercy. He has healed me and brought me home. He has brought me to God. He has strengthened me and restored me and firmly established me. And he is supporting me and making me steadfast. This is what I stand in this is it. This is the grace of God. The Bible tells us you should be able to stand and give account for what you believe in. You should be able to defend what you believe in. So let me tell you, when you stand before someone in this young generation and they want to know what you believe in, what you're standing on, what principle your life is built on, what is your cause that you stand for? You say, I stand in this. I stand in the grace of God, the living hope that is the salvation of my soul. I stand in this, the grace of God that has redeemed me from the empty way. I stand in this, the grace of God that chose me from my nothingness, my worthlessness and made me a part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I stand in the grace of God that brought me out of darkness and brought me into mercy when I did not deserve it. I stand on the grace of God that healed my soul and my body and it gave me hope and it brought me home. I stand on the grace of God that brought me to God. I stand on this. This is it. This is the grace of God and I am fast in it. I will never believe anything more than I believe in the grace of God. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober. And I want to say this is the best that I can. We've become drunk on information and drunk on opinion and drunk on facts and not facts we've become drunk on the problems of this world when the bible talks about being of sober mind here it's not just talking about alcohol and wine because we can become absolutely tipsy from our own knowledge and opinion with minds that are alert and fully sober set your hope on the grace of God brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on the grace of God. This is it, and this is where I stand. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. We're going to let these kids lead us in worship just for another minute. I joked a lot with um, Pastor Jeremy about it's really probably time to find someone else for the youth pastor because I'm nearing 40. And he just kind of laughs and ignores me. <laughs> but um, in 2010, when I sat pregnant with Leo, and agreed to become the youth pastor. I pray that God would give me something that I felt like was a job description. And I have to be honest, there's a lot of days where I forget what my job description is. And then I find, as I flip through every Bible that I have, and I've been raised in church, so I have about 24 i go through and this passage is underlined in every single bible and i don't even remember doing it but it seems that the lord keeps bringing me back to this so this is my job description and it's yours and it's all of ours who claim to stand fast in the grace of god because this is who god is and this is what he called us to do So I'm gonna read to you my job description today and I ask that you pray for me as I do it and you pray for those of us who spend our lives pouring into the next generation because let me tell you something, it is thankless and it is exhausting. But this is what God has called us to do. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted of God upon my life, and it is the calling of God upon each and every one of us who claim to stand fast in the grace of God. Your opinion does not matter, but the grace of God in your life does. And what will wash away the sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been called to bind up the brokenhearted because He has bound up your broken heart. Stand fast in this, because this is it. Let's let these young women lead us today. has never failed me, and I gather to say he's never failed any of you. So if you're here today, I want you to raise your hand if he's been your living hope and the salvation of your soul. Keep your hand raised if he's redeemed you from the empty way of life. Keep your hand raised if you know that you are a chosen people. You were once in darkness, but now you are in light. You've received mercy. Keep your hand raised today if you know that you are healed and you are home in him. Keep your hand raised if you know that you have been brought to God because of the salvation and spilled blood of Jesus Christ. Keep your hand raised if you have been restored and made strong and made firm in him. Let me tell you something. Look around. If your hand is raised, this is it. And you are called. You've raised your hand to say, I am the anointed one called to bind up the brokenhearted, to be a repairer of the breach. The next generation needs people who have been broken and been rebuilt. The next generation needs people who have been brought to God. They need people who can encourage and testify this is the true grace of God. Stand in it. Today, I hope you will join me. We're going to pray over our next-gen kids. Our kids are headed to kids' camp. And then a day after that, our youth are headed to youth camp. Can you pray that they'll get it? that it'll root down deep, that this is it. The world's got so many flashy, shiny things to offer us, but this is it. This is the most important thing that they can get. So join with me. Lord, I pray for each and every young person who's going this week to camp. God, I pray for my fellow church friends all across this community who are gearing up to take their kids back to camp after a very long time. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in the young people who come over this next week, that you will anoint our leaders to walk fast in this, that you will help them to bind the brokenhearted, that you will help them to show these children the grace of God so that they may stand in it. God, we pray and we ask that our young people will be oaks of righteousness and a planting of the Lord on display for his splendor. We pray that this next generation will be rooted deep, that they will know that the grit and resilience that they have to face any storm comes from the fact that their feet are planted firmly in the grace of God. Let it be that this is the definition of who they are, a generation planted. In the grace of God, God, we have seen you move mountains, and we know that you will do it again. Do it this coming week in the life of our young people. Strengthen our leaders as they go and serve and pour out their heart. Restore their rest and make everything come into pass that they may need. We thank you for the privilege that it is to commend your works to the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen.